Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and today uh, my guests and I are going to be talking about 2012 and looking ahead to 2013. Uh, I have two guests with me in the studio, uh, two colleagues and friends, Max Jones, the editor of the Terre Haute Tribune Star, and Jeff Kovaleski, the managing editor of the Kokomo Tribune. If uh, you were planning on joining us for the show today, I'm sorry you can't. We're pre-recording the program a little bit before uh, its airing date on the 28th. Um, So uh, we'll give you the disclaimer already that maybe some other news happened between the day we're recording this and December the 28th. But but we're just going to forge ahead and talk about what's happened uh, up to this point. So I want to bring Max and Jeff in very quickly here and just ask both of you. What do you think uh, 2012 will be remembered for? Max, you want to go first? I, I don't think there's any question that uh, barring any huge uh, specific news story that dominated uh, things in Terre Haute or West Central Indiana, which there really was not, um, I would have to say that this year it's just uh, – it started out – with politics, and it's ended up with politics, and it's been everything politics in between on various levels, federal, state, local. It's just dominated the discussion. It's dominated people's thought. I think people are probably pretty weary of it. Um, I think even even us in the news may be a little uh, weary of it. But I would say that you'd have to have to to point directly at that topic as uh, as the, as the single thing that's dominated the year. Mm-hmm. Jeff, what about you? I think in state politics, it would be right to work. Mm-hmm. Um, we were told that this is going to be a a job creator, and <clears throat> the unions have told us this is going to be the demise of the working class. And you know, I think that. We all need to be really honest about what right to work is, and that is a scheme to take away the funding from Democratic candidates. That's what it is, and and anybody who says it's not isn't really telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we represent three three different communities. Uh, Kokomo, of course, is a is a big union town. Always has been a big union town. Uh, Bloomington is, you know, a hotbed of uh, liberalism. So we had a, there was a lot of opposition here to right to work, and Terre Haute's a democratic community too. I assume right to work was not very popular there. You know, at its at its historical base, it's a democratic community. It really has changed a lot in the last uh, probably the last twenty or thirty years. In that, um, it's uh, moderated quite a bit. It's uh, it was never a liberal community, but it certainly was a union uh, working class community. Uh, even though it has its liberal elements uh, mostly attached to the university, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's still a little different. Um, you know, I think probably Kokomo being dominated by the manufacturing mm-hmm. sector the way it is, um, and and we we've had some of that also, but it's it's moderated. Yeah, well, you know, I would I would have to agree with uh, both of you on those two points. Though I think that the political divisions that we've seen, uh, you know, on the national level, of course, the uh, Obama and Romney race and Obama's reelection was was huge and and I think it may have have created some shifts here at the end of the year that I want to explore with with you two and you know then of course as we're entering the end of the year we, I have to wonder whether you know gun control is going to be a hot topic early in 2013 I, I'm pretty sure it will be but we'll see if anything happens with that um, and yeah the the uh, the elements of politics were just involved in pretty much everything um, I, I guess. You know, from a, a standpoint of right to work, I mean, that was a huge issue at the beginning of the year. And, you know, Jeff, as, as you said, I, I don't know how you can evaluate what it's done for the 
Coca or in the Kokomo community. I know there are state leaders that will say that. Well, even the the governor of Michigan was using Indiana as an example, and he was pushing as he's pushing right to work in Michigan. That well, look at Indiana's got it, got it, and now they're much more competitive than we are. I mean, do you believe that? Do you buy that? No, <laughs> I no, don't I think th- so. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that uh, we passed right to work at a time when our economy was in a valley. So. All of us who are going to be watching how many jobs come to Indiana in five years and ten years, we are going to see jobs come to Indiana in five years and ten years. And I, I imagine that people will say, well, that's because of right to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Um, I don't think it's going to be the demise of, of unions either. But uh, it's going to be more difficult for unions to raise money to – fund Democratic candidates. Well, here in Bloomington uh, at the first of the year, and a lot of this was tied to right to work, I believe, we, we had a major Occupy uh, colony, I guess you would say. Occupy Bloomington was down in People's Park, and it was just a few days after the start of the year that the the mayor actually sent police in to sort of roust everybody. Um, the park is now sort of reclaimed by the entire community, um, the I think there were there was a lot of sentiment for the people who were there and for the issues that the Occupy folks were uh, were promoting. But it, it got to be a, a an eyesore and a safety concern and health code violations were going on down there. There were people were you know lighting things in the open and there were sanitation issues. So, um, but that you know it seems like a long time ago when we were really concerned about about Occupy. But, but a lot of those issues are still with us. So I I wanted to uh, to ask um, you know as we talk about this about politics being such a big issue in 2012. I mean, do you see any glimmer of hope that the results of the election in 2012, uh, some of the the discussions that we're hearing now, and, and as I said, we're pre-recording this, but hearing now where people are starting to compromise on the fiscal cliff, do you think this bodes well for the future, or do you think we just have more of the same coming up? Max? I'm, I'm kind of, of of a mind that uh, you're going to have to show me before I believe it. Um, I would probably be pleasantly surprised if if this all gets worked out and everybody is at least a little bit satisfied with the way it uh, ends up. I will be far less surprised if something uh, more dire uh, occurs. Uh, maybe it's that end-of-the-year cynicism after the kind of year we've been through. But, uh, you know, at this point, I'm going to have to see it. Uh, before uh, I believe it. It's been a long time mm-hmm. before we've seen anything which we can point to as particularly productive mm-hmm. uh, happening, even in the wake of, of this election, which I I do think should be pointing some direction uh, to, uh, to elected officials. But until they take that direction and act on it, um, I'm, I'm going to stand by and, and kind of wait. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to have to show me. <laughs> Jeff, what, what do you think? Um, I guess I think that uh, the results of the election showed me anyway that Indiana is much more moderate than maybe we all thought it was. Um, leading up to the election, uh, I received a lot of letters to the editor and, and comments um, from the far right and so i had this impression that majority of indiana um espoused um the romney viewpoint and then the election came and i think that hoosiers are much more moderate than i thought they were prior to the election which i think might be good for us um, going into this next legislative session. Well, I'm interested in, in the fact that you said that because I I was getting letter I was getting calls and emails from Democrats I know in the community who were saying things like you know I can't believe that your letters to the editor are so overwhelmingly conservative and Republican. Are you just not running the Democratic side of, of things in the letters to the editor? So it sounds like you were getting the same kind of thing. Max, were you getting – was it – You know, it was probably more mixed yeah. with us. Now, we certainly have 
have our diehard uh, letter writers uh, from from the right, but we also have uh, have have them from the left. And uh, even though there have been times in the past when it seems to me that the conservative voice has dominated, especially in terms of their relationship with the media, um, mm-hmm. th- this year I I, I saw uh, those leaning left. Uh, a little less reluctant to step into the fray. Mm-hmm. Let me remind our listeners that uh, this is a special pre-recorded edition of Noon Edition. I'm talking with Max Jones, the editor of the Terre Haute Tribune Star, and Jeff Kovaleski, the managing editor of the Kokomo Tribune. We're talking about uh, the news of 2012 and what we sort of are looking for in 2013. We're going to give you our points of view. And unfortunately, you can't share yours today because we're pre-recording these. So we hope you'll stick with us for the next 40 minutes or so as we try to look back at uh, the last 12 months and look ahead a little bit to the next 12 months. So the uh, you know, we've talked a lot about politics already, and of course, uh, Jeff, you mentioned um, that you thought the state was a little more moderate than maybe you had uh, had imagined before. I think the the Senate race maybe showed us a little bit of that because the, of course, the primary this year, one of the big big political stories of the year was Richard Murdoch's defeat of of Dick Luger in the primaries. Um, I have to say that I speak to the Rotary, or the not the Rotary, the Kiwanis Club at the beginning of every year. January and I always uh, I don't know it's one of my fun times I sort of make these wild predictions for the year and I said last year the guy who invited me to speak again in 2013 reminded me that I said that I thought Luger would win the primary but that if he didn't win I thought that Joe Donnelly would win the general election so I guess I was one for two on that <laughs> were you surprised at the way things worked out I was surprised that Murdoch blew it mm-hmm. and and he did it to himself and and that surprised me. Do you think his comments in the in the debate uh, were the deciding factor? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, Max. Um, I think they were they were, uh, you know, a heavy factor. Uh, you know, I I think it was awfully close as it was, and um, uh, whether or not that that was the definitive thing that that swung it, it could have been. It, it could have been. Uh, but it was so close at that time, you know. I think that perhaps Donnelly still could have have won with without that. But certainly a worthwhile argument to say that 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 swung it, and the fact that um, how effectively the Democrats rallied after that uh, in that very short period of time after that 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 debate in New Albany, uh, it was the most effective I've seen Democrats in this state operate in a long time. And generally speaking, you don't say that about Democrats in the <laughs> right. state. Uh, yeah. it, as a party, there is about as ineffective as an organization mm-hmm. uh, as would appear. But uh, John Gregg certainly benefited uh, from, uh, from, from Murdoch's uh, conduct at mm-hmm. the end. And um, uh, I, I think it's interesting that Murdoch still himself apparently does not acknowledge that he played any role in his own in his own defeat. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine that John Gregg, he was he was working very hard, so I imagine he visited both of you as well. I know when he was here, he talked about uh, wanting to try to capture the the Luger uh, Republicans, and he thought that could be the key to his being able to beat Mike Pence. I don't think anybody gave him a chance to beat Mike Pence, really, except maybe he and uh, Vice Simpson. Uh, did but he did he did better than than a lot of Democrats might have done against somebody with such name recognition as as Pence. But uh, you know those the Luger Republicans were out there to be picked off. But I do think that if Murdoch hadn't made you know we haven't really gone over what he said, but it was you know a statement about about rape that wasn't um, something that I mean he he became another poster child for the the radical right wing yes. nationally so. That uh, that did hurt him, no doubt. Well, the, to to Pence's credit, um, he didn't get drawn in, and uh, he showed amazing discipline, even in in the face of uh, John Gregg's late relentless criticism of him as truly a right winger, just like Murdoch. He didn't play into it. He didn't seem to make any mistake that allowed anyone to uh, to underscore what truly was Pence's. Uh, long-standing, uh, strong social conservative mm-hmm. uh, record. Uh, so, got to give Mike Pence credit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how he managed to uh, uh, allow himself to be quiet about some of the things that were being said, but he just didn't draw in, get drawn in, and he stayed disciplined and and didn't contribute to 
yeah. uh, to the situation. Now, one of the things that Indiana is uh, is going to see in 2013 is a, a very Republican state house. Mike Pence, of course, is going to be the next governor. Uh, the House and the Senate both have super majorities of Republicans. So even you know the Democrats with their their storied walkout to Illinois. I mean that. That wouldn't do them any good now. So they have to just stay and, and fight, but they don't have enough votes to to win anything without Republican help. How do you think the – I mean, do you have any sense of how you how uh, the Republicans might play this? Do you think that they will just roll over the Democrats or do you think that there will be some feeling of, uh, of well, uh, not bipartisanship but at least – allowing the minority to have a, a strong voice. What have you been hearing from, from the people in your area? I don't think that they are going to reach out and try to be bipartisan. Uh, what I'm curious to find out is whether Speaker Bosma has the power like he did in the last session to play goalie and when the far-right cultural issues came forward, like uh, Senator Cruz's uh, creationism bill, didn't even get a hearing. Um, He had the support of the governor, I think, and together they decided we don't need that. Um, Will Speaker Bosma have that kind of authority with uh, Governor Pence? I don't know. Uh It will will be interesting to see because Governor Daniels – spoke often about the fact that he he felt like jobs, the economy were huge issues, and he didn't really want to get derailed by social issues. Um, Mike Pence, I don't believe, I, I don't know what whether he said anything along those lines. I did ask him in an interview, and he, you know, he believes that social issues are uh, certainly worthy of debate and discussion, how far he might be willing to go on them this year. He certainly has a, uh, a, a lot louder voice on social issues than, than Mitch Daniels ever did as he's you know, entering the, the governor's office. So It's going to be a big story this year, I think, watching just how Mike Pence uh, uh, governs, how he leads. I have a lot of respect for Brian Bosma. I think he's one of the He's got to be one of the top leaders in the state in terms of his skill level, his intelligence. Uh, I, I think he is, he's a conservative, but I think he has a good sense of what good leadership and, and what good politics is. Whether or not he can uh, control a supermajority um, remains to be seen. And, and Jeff's right. Um, um, if, um, if the governor is, is going to take on a warrior mentality, which I don't think he will, but if he were to, then Bosman probably uh, wouldn't be able to accomplish much. But the difference is, I think, right now that, that we're seeing is that this election, even though maybe Governor-elect Pence doesn't acknowledge it to any great degree, there were things that happened in this election that had to have gotten the attention of conservatives. I think the the superintendent of public instruction race was uh, perhaps the really big one and the way that Murdoch got manhandled after his mm-hmm. foray into social issues uh, mm-hmm. showed that uh, you know maybe there's not uh, going to be a lot of tolerance among the electorate for a runaway socially conservative legislature because they may have, they may pay for that. Uh, that didn't happen. And, you know, after the election of 2010, it was just mow them down. There was no reason to think anybody cared or uh, would be opposed to anything they did. That's not going to be the case, even though they have a supermajority mm-hmm. going into this year. Yeah. Now, I have to ask about, about the education issue because, you know, in Bloomington, again, it's a liberal community. Um, Tony Bennett was not uh, warmly welcomed any time he came to town. <clears throat> And as you know, I mean, he, he was a guy who got around a lot, and he he was very personable when you talk to him one-on-one. But the issues that he brought forward and the uh, policies uh, that the state is uh, moving toward in education were not popular issues and policies in Bloomington. I will say that uh, unequivocally. <laughs> uh, what about in Kokomo and Terre Haute? I mean, we sometimes in Bloomington get sort of insulated here in our own little world, and we don't realize what's going on in the rest of the state. So I'm <laughs> really, really eager to hear, you know, how, how the state policies were going over in, in Kokomo, Jeff. I, I think that it was the same throughout the state. I, I, I think that um, – 
voters and have very strong and uh, close relationships with their children's teachers. We all know who they are. Um, we know their names. We get them Christmas gifts. Um, and if they feel that they're under attack, um, you feel it too. And, and I think that a lot of people sympathize more with you know, their child's teacher than they did with the leadership, even though what they were um, espousing was basically the whole Obama, Arne Duncan plan right. to a right. T. Um, yeah, that's one of the ironies of this because the state uh, – Tony Bennett's positions were very similar to the federal uh, positions on education. Yeah, they were very close. <laughs> right. right. How about Terry Tony Bennett was – very unpopular in Terre Haute and Vigo County, and he had been pretty much from the start. So, it, so this year was no different. We were not surprised that um, that there was a, a, a strong threat, uh, electoral threat that that emerged uh, that would eventually defeat him. In fact, uh, he was so unpopular in Vigo County that. Um, there initially had been some effort to find the candidate to run against him uh, somewhere in Vigo County, whether it was our current state senator, Tim Skinner, whether it was our current superintendent, uh, Dan Tanous. Uh, all of them would have uh, – they would have been greeted uh, very, very uh, happily by uh, folks in our area to, to try to take on that superintendent. So the, the Republicans uh, have said, I mean, some of the key Republicans that, well, even though Tony Bennett lost, they're going to go forward with education reform. I had a, a meeting with our new state representative, Peggy Mayfield, and she said essentially the same thing. We're going to have – it'll be more of the same and, and more of that, even beyond that. Um, you know, are, do you guys buy the idea that this was not a – uh, some sort of referendum on the education reform as as is going on. I mean, that seems to be what what Governor Pence, Governor Daniels, uh, some members of the legislature are saying is like uh, they're saying, "Well, no, we're we're on the right track. We're still going to continue with this." I think they're misreading the electorate. Um, I don't know that they're going to slow down, um, but it seems to me the voters took it out on. Tony Bennett, and he was basically implementing policies that came from the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if they continue to try to move quickly, that's going to hurt them. Um, if they slow things down and still move forward with what they want to do, uh, it'll be more palatable, I think, to to voters. Right. Okay. Well, I think there could have been a lesson, um, and you would think that it would be learned. It remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was part of this and part of that. It, I mean, partly the, the reforms certainly were scary to a lot of people, and, and I don't know that they were sold to them in a way that they felt like they could accept them. But um, it was also a referendum on Bennett's style, and uh, – the, when we spoke to a lot of teachers, and we all know a lot of teachers, and uh, I really felt for them. There was many of them, very uh, long-time experienced teachers who have worked hard and take their jobs very seriously that were deeply offended mm-hmm. at the way they were portrayed and the way the, the finger was being pointed at them, uh, that they felt like it was unfair. And, and that that is part of what motivated so many of them to, to get active in this. So, yes. you know, part of it was a, it was style. Uh, I'm right. sure that – I'm sure that's true, but uh, the fact is, I don't think that uh, the the Daniels or the the uh, Bennett or, or the those who support him in the state completely sold the uh, people at large that this was the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a few more minutes before we take our our break for the day, and I want to continue on the legislature, and then we'll move on to some other things. But I think you know we've touched on social issues and and sort of a, a more conservative agenda. And now there's – if the Republican supermajorities want to push a social agenda or a conservative agenda, they'll be able to. But yet it doesn't seem like – maybe I, maybe I'm just um, you know oblivious to it, but it doesn't seem like gay marriage – Immigration; those kind of issues are are what anybody is talking about right now, except for the fact that gay marriage um, 
has been approved in various states. I mean, there might even be a – I mean, Brent Steele, a conservative senator from down in Bedford, is talking about you know rewriting some of the, the, the uh, legal code to make – uh, marijuana, you know, uh, legal in the state, or at least to decriminalize marijuana in the state. That's not exactly something that I think the Republicans would would generally be considered uh, uh, a big issue for them. But uh, you know, do you see these issues as as potential hot buttons in in the next year, or do you think that maybe we'll take a break on that and maybe that'll come back in two thousand fourteen? I think same-sex marriage is going to be the story in 2013. Um, with the Supreme Court's ruling, um, I just I, – I have a hard time seeing them stopping it. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know how they can. And if they say that, you know – that's a civil right, um, this is going to be a year that everyone's going to remember. And it's going to stop what state legislature is doing. I think that's going to be the the issue for 2013 Uh nationally. Yeah. Yeah, Excellent point. They – I guess this is the second – you know, the second session where in order to get it on the ballot – and uh, for a constitutional amendment in 2014, it has to pass this legislature. Uh, there's no reason for me to believe that it won't pass it, although you're hearing some interesting things uh, coming out of um, out of some of the both caucuses now that you know perhaps there there is some some reason to um, uh, among some to try to back off and think this may not be the thing we want to be putting in our constitution because you know the 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 overall societal uh, thought on this is changing. There's no doubt about it. So I, I will be curious to see how the legislature handles it. I think they're in a tough spot right now. Mm-hmm. And knowing that the uh, the Supreme Court's going to be ruling in some way and, and probably this summer, um, uh, it's uh, – I'll be curious to see how they how they handle this. Yeah, well, that, yeah, it will be it will be very interesting. I'm I'm interested to hear both of you say that you think it's going to be one of the one of the leading issues. Real quickly, what about immigration? Do you think uh, you know immigration laws? Uh, do you think you know Mike Delf was was moving some some immigration uh, bills that were similar to Arizona's, and of course we've had the 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 fight in the 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 courts over that. Um, do you think that's going to come back again in some some fashion? Any thoughts on that? I would hope that the business community and the Chamber of Commerce puts a stop to it. I, I you know I think that they've made their um, their thoughts known to legislators that they thought that was probably a little too extreme, and and they seem to listen to what the chamber says. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's down the list. Uh, yeah. I, I'd be I'd be somewhat uh, surprised if that uh, got a lot of traction in the state this year. All right, well, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back uh, to talk a little bit more about 2012 and 2013. Again, my guests today are Max Jones, the editor of the Terre Haute Tribune Star, and Jeff Kovaleski, the managing editor of the Kokomo Tribune. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. 
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, the editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. And today uh, I am talking with two other editor colleagues and friends, Max Jones, the editor of the Terre Haute Tribune Star, and Jeff Kovaleski, the managing editor of the Kokomo Tribune. We're talking about 2012 and 2013, and unfortunately you can't join the conversation today because we're pre-recording this to be aired just a few days before New Year's Eve. So uh, we're going to continue. We've talked about the legislature, and we're going to get off that topic uh, for a little bit because there were other big stories in 2012, and one, of course, was the drought. Did that have any lasting effect on uh, either of your communities, and, and how did it affect the community last summer? It really worried people, I think. Um, yeah. We weren't hurt as badly as Terre Haute was or you know the Knox County area. Um, we probably were about as mild as anyone in the state, but we still had some issues with corn. But because the price of corn went up, uh, most of the farmers probably came out better than they had anticipated. Mm-hmm. They had a, a decent crop, and they were getting a lot for a bushel. Mm-hmm. Max, how about it did, it did hit West Central Indiana uh, real hard and Southwestern Indiana. It was it was it was tough in our areas, and um, uh, it simmered along and just kept going and going for so long that uh, you know I think there had, there was beginning to be a realization that it could have a really deep economic impact on our area, and then it was over. Yeah. Uh, it, it was I don't think anybody expected it to to end completely the way it did. Now, there's uh, obviously the, the rainfall deficiency is still steep, but uh, it quit getting worse. Uh, it seems like once it turned and once it changed, uh, that the, the, the issue went away in terms of the, the overall population. Certainly in the farm sector, uh, it didn't go away, and they're still feeling the effects of it. And I'm sure they're going to be hoping for a couple good years because they've had a couple bad years. Uh, the previous year was a dry year, uh, just mm-hmm. just like last year was. So it remains to be seen just how how deep it will affect them, but it certainly had an effect and uh, gotten people's heads. Has it has it uh, increased the discussion of global warming in your communities? Not in mine. Not in yours. Not in Kokomo. No, no. I, I, I there's still skepticism that anybody has anything to do with it in yeah. Kokomo. <laughs> All right. There's an there's a sense of uneasiness, I think, and when you get into West Central Indiana, which is uh, you know we're in the we're in the coal fields. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, economic impact of of coal in our area, so uh, that that discussion simmers, and it doesn't take much for. Uh, things to erupt around uh, the whole idea of climate change and the drought did it. Uh, anytime there's a new coal gasification plant that's talked mm-hmm. about, we'll, uh, we'll stir it up. So uh, it, it's not one of those overwhelming topics, but it, it's there and I think it simmers real close to the surface. Right. Well, it, it definitely is a topic here. And, you know, the, the drought in Bloomington was um, – a couple things came out of it. One is the city actually put a watering ban in place um, at one point because the the pumping capacity, uh, the capacity wasn't it wasn't the issue, but the but the pumps were running so hot that they had to slow them down, um, and it also gave the city uh, uh, it actually made the city look pretty good because they're in the middle of a water system expansion here. And they said, well, this is one of the reasons, because the demand for water is going to be higher going forward. This summer is a good example. And, uh, you know, we are trying to take, be proactive and take, uh, you know, take a proactive look and try to prepare for it. So it, it did put a lot of focus on water here. And people, I think, really sort of understood a little more why the city had undertaken this, you know, I can't remember, tens of millions of dollar water system expansion to increase the pumping capacity um, when when it affected them. You know, people weren't supposed to be watering their lawns, their plants, washing their cars, doing all sorts of things like that. And, and so I think people got, got the message a little bit. But uh, what about uh, economic news and business news? Obviously, that's a huge issue nationally, statewide, locally. Did anything happen in your communities uh, during 2012 to make you more optimistic about uh, the economy than perhaps uh, in previous years. Jeff, how about in Kokomo? Well, just recently, um, Chrysler um, 
began seeking abatements with the city of Kokomo and uh, Tipton County to expand its um, transmission manufacturing capacity. Um, right after 2009, Chrysler announced a $1.2 billion um, investment in Kokomo. And then now, with these these uh, additional abatements, um, we're looking at another 1,200 jobs um, that's by huge. 2014. Yeah, that's huge. And I think Chrysler is selling far more cars than they had anticipated at this time, in the, at this stage of development. And it bodes well for the Kokomo area. I think that that kind of uh, uh, outlay of cash is going to ensure that those jobs stay around for a good 10 or 20 years. Now, Chrysler and just co- uh, automotive manufacturing um, has been the sort of the lifeblood of your economy for many years, hasn't it? Uh, more than 100. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's many. That predates a lot of us in here. <laughs> um, so uh, – I mean, how how just you know take me back a few years because you've been in Kokomo now. You said seven years, eight, eight years. Um, so you've been through the times when you know there was the auto bailout or the right. you know and, and all those kinds of things. So there must be a, a lot more optimism today than you're used to in Kokomo. There is. <laughs> uh, we when when things were looking really bleak and and uh, both Chrysler and GM were in bankruptcy. Um, the Brookings Institution did a, a, uh, a calculation that if both Chrysler and GM were allowed to be liquidated, um, Kokomo would lose 50% of all of its jobs. Columbus would lose 25%. Anderson would lose 25%. Muncie, Lafayette. Um, and I, I don't think people understand how um, tied to the auto industry that this state is, not just the Kokomo area. Um, Kokomo has about 22% of all of its jobs that are directly related to the auto industry. Uh, We have more auto jobs per capita than any city in the country. Um, The closest is is Flint, and they're at 8%. Mm -hmm. So if Chrysler's doing great, Kokomo's doing great. If uh, Chrysler's doing poorly, Kokomo feels it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so does all of north central Indiana. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned Columbus because I, I should say that we invited uh, Scarlett and Tom Jekyll both to be on today, but they, they were both busy. They were off doing something else. I think one's on, one was on vacation and one was probably covering. Mm-hmm. We know how that goes, don't we? <laughs> Max, how about the economy in, in Terre Haute? You know, Terre Haute, the last 25 years, has become far more diversified than what it was uh, really throughout most of the 20th century. So uh, most years we don't we don't have great news, but we don't have devastating news. Uh, you get a little bit mixture of both. I would say that uh, on the whole, uh, Terre Haute is holding its own. Uh, the one good thing that I would say that uh, was encouraging to uh, to the area was uh, this effort to redevelopment the former Pfizer plant a few years ago it really was a devastating loss when Pfizer pulled up stakes and completely moved out of Terre Haute. That was a location where they were making their uh, inhaled insulin uh, drug. And uh, when that whole thing fell apart for Pfizer, they closed the plant. We lost 600, 700 jobs at one time. That was tough. It took a long time to, to recover or even get a feeling that you're recovering from that. What's happening now, though, is uh, that property is being redeveloped by a company that has links to the pharmaceutical industry. So while they may never get to the point where they replace all of those 600, 700 jobs, they may get very close. And the redevelopment has started, the, the, so there's some good news there. The other is um, is the redevelopment of the former uh, uh, Army Ammunition Depot north of Terre Haute in Vermilion County. Um, now that all of the nerve agent uh, VX has been destroyed and that property was turned over to an economic development group uh, in there in Vermilion County, they're beginning to redevelop that that property. It's a huge property. 
And there's been some good news. Uh, a pet food company has uh, just recently announced that they were going to move their operations from Oklahoma up to uh, Indiana. So uh, we're seeing a, a few things like that uh, happen. Uh, uh, but overall, it's just been a mix. Uh, yeah. But holding our own. Yeah, well, you know, Bloomington is uh, is a big university city, so uh, IU's done well. I think they've done a good job of of trying. They well under Michael McRobbie, who is going to be a guest on our show on January the 11th, is uh, you know he he's he's sort of anticipated some of the issues, and IU's made a lot of cuts, but. You know the the university's strength insulates Bloomington's economy from a lot of a lot of bad effects, and and also we have a you know such a strong life sciences uh, uh, sector here with Cook and Baxter and and um, Boston Scientific over in Owen County, and and uh, the Cook people have uh, I think they're they're doing really really well. They're continuing to grow, although they are very concerned about the 2.3 percent medical device tax. And and anytime you talk to a, a Cook official, they will tell you that that is going to be bad news for their business in the United States. And um, it's uh, something that probably is coming. Although there are a lot of people working to try to to get that stripped out of the uh, of the Affordable Care Act, but we'll see how see how that goes. But in uh, Bloomington's economy, there's still a lot of development going on. There's, there's, a huge development, there's a huge development going up in downtown Bloomington right now, another one that's mainly student housing. It's going to change the face of downtown even more. The city owns some property in downtown that it'll be considering how to how to to redevelop as uh, probably 2013, 2014 go along. So um, the economy's perking along pretty well here in Bloomington, and we'll we'll see how whether that keeps going in 2013. Um, we only have about 10 minutes to go on the program, and I want to want to take the opportunity to ask you about some of the biggest sort of local stories of the year in uh, Kokomo and Terre Haute, and I'll mention one or two in Bloomington, and then we'll look ahead to 2013 and what you think your local communities have uh, on the agenda that are going to be going to be taking column space in your newspapers and mine. <laughs> Jeff? Um, like I would said earlier, the, the big story for Kokomo, I think, uh, in the last year was the Chrysler developments. Um, all told, since the bankruptcy, Chrysler has pledged 2,300 new jobs. Um, so that's major. Um, Kokomo's uh, downtown redevelopment has been uh, big uh, with Mayor Goodnight um, adding um, quality of life, bicycle trails, walking trails, um, those kinds of things that Kokomo had neglected in the past. And uh, I think that there's um, we finally have uh, community leadership that recognizes that, you know, we deserve nice things too, and if we don't do it ourselves, nobody's going to do it for us. So... There hasn't been any, been a huge overwhelming story in in our community this year, but I would I would uh, point to probably the big the big picture uh, items that have repeatedly been in the news, and there has been big stories is uh, is is both the continued development of our healthcare community in terms of its facilities, and also uh, in downtown Terre Haute, and the way that the university Indiana State University continues to uh, move forward and integrate itself with the downtown. Uh, as far from the university's uh, side of things, they are looking at developing downtown housing for students, and that will be a big thing. Uh, it's it's going to uh, be part of the future uh, for the continued rehabilitation of downtown, which has made some great strides in recent years, as it is. And secondly, uh, the, uh, um, the health care uh, development. Uh, there's a couple of large facilities that are currently under construction uh, and will be going online this coming year, and uh, it really will uh, change the the overall footprint that healthcare has in Terre Haute and Vigo County, which is already extremely uh, large as it is. Mm-hmm. We wrote a lot about homelessness this year in Bloomington. It's uh, it's become quite an issue. Um, Bloomington has an awful lot of uh, organizations that serve people who are experiencing homelessness, and it has created uh, 
those unintended consequences because it's Bloomington's become sort of a magnet for people to come here because there are services and you know we we did a story earlier in the year about the uh, the the number of um, people booked into jail who either had no address or gave the address of one of the homeless shelters in town, and the number had just skyrocketed. So it's an issue that, that people are, are looking at. Um, a couple other things I would mention, you know, on the politics side, we lost two key politicians, two public servants, I should say, in uh, the last election, Peggy Welch, who was in the legislature since 1998, um, and she lost Peggy Mayfield at, at her her district was greatly redrawn, and uh, she was basically redrawn out of it because it was became a very Republican district. And, of course, Vice Simpson ran for state Senate. And uh, even though she was a Democrat in the state Senate, she had a pretty uh, persuasive and loud voice. But she ran for lieutenant governor, so now she's out of the Senate. So our area has lost a couple of, uh, of really strong public servants. Two other things I'll mention quickly. Uh, I-69. It's a big story here. Uh, a lot of people still think it should have gone up through Terre Haute, Max. A lot of people here do. Um, um, but it didn't. It's opened. Uh, 67 miles of it are open now. And that's going to be a big story next year. I'll talk about that more in a minute. But And then the other thing is the reemergence of IU basketball. I can't go through a program <clears throat> about 2012 without mentioning that. The shot, Christian Watford shot, was in 2011. But, of course, in the, the Hoosiers kept that momentum and started the year number one in 2012. And uh, things over at Assembly Hall are a lot different than they've been for the last few years. So it's been a, a big issue or a big, big story here in our community. So let's look ahead to 2013. What, uh, what, what, what do you expect will be the biggest things in your communities going forward? Let me start on that. I'll give you a minute to think. Um, but, you know, I, of course, those two stories that I just mentioned, I-69 and um, and IU basketball will be big here. I-69 because uh, the, the interstate right now stops in the middle of nowhere, basically. It stops well, near the Crane Gate. But Section 4 is under construction. That goes through um, some undeveloped property um, and the new terrain highway, and then it stopped. It will stop south of Bloomington at the end of 2014, and there's no funding to build it north. And so that's going to be a great. Uh, there's going to be a great deal of discussion about I-69 in our community next year, as there always is. Uh, and then we have uh, a couple of planning documents, uh, the growth policies plan for the city, not a couple, but one, um, which will determine how the city is going to grow in the next decade or so, and, and that, that'll generate a lot of news as well. So how about Kokomo? Um, the big story at the end of the year will be the opening of the bypass uh, to the east of Kokomo. Uh, that is um, two years ahead of schedule. It's uh, tens of millions of dollars under budget. The major moves money? Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, so it opens in November 2013. Um, that could be uh, the single largest um, chance for um, economic development outside of auto jobs that Kokomo will will get. It's this. This is our chance, I think. Um, and then the development of wind farms seems to be a big deal. Um, we had one wind farm uh, that. Is in the far western, far eastern part of Howard County, uh, northern Madison, northern east uh, Tipton County, and uh, southern Grant County. Well, there's another wind farm being proposed to uh, on the west end of Tipton County, and I think people have decided that we've seen the first wind farm, and we don't know if we really like wind farms now. So that is um, going to play out one way or the other. Uh-huh. Max? I would say that uh, one of the big stories potentially, and it's one of these developing, ongoing stories, will be um, some big decisions that will be made among the city of Terre Haute and Indiana State University in terms of how Indiana State develops into the downtown area. Right now, they have not made a final decision on uh, where to put their student housing in this downtown district. But those decisions are ready to be made. They've been tabled. There's a lot of study going on. But I think this is the year where we're finally going 
time to see precisely um, of what the university decides it wants to do, and that's going to set in motion a lot of change, I believe, in, in downtown Terre Haute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should mention one other story here. I, I know last year at this time, I, I, I honestly believe that Bloomington Hospital, IU Health Bloomington Hospital, would have made a decision by now about where, whether it was going to build a new campus or redevelop itself where it is now, but there's been no uh, no decision, no announcement about that, at least as as we're sitting here. Maybe it'll come in the next week. I doubt it. Um, but that's an issue. I think it's been uh, – the economy really sort of slowed up their decision-making process on that, I think. And not just that, but the, the Affordable Care Act and how mm-hmm. that may have an impact on, on the hospital and health care going forward. So that's another one that we'll be on the lookout for. We have about two minutes to go on the program. I know uh, – I, I think I – I surprised uh, Max last year. I, I like to remember, recall a person or two who died the previous year uh, because we, we all, all of our communities have so many newsmakers and there are some people that, that um, you know, we should probably pay tribute to. And Max, I know you are prepared this I year. Was ready, I was ready for you this year, Bob. And, uh, and you know, hopefully I wouldn't have had to even think about this if I hadn't. But Matt Branham, the president of Rose-Hulman Institute of Technology, uh, died suddenly last summer. It was quite a shock to the community. He had made a, a great impact on, on that college in a very short time he, he had been there. He was a young man. He was in his late 50s, and it was quite a shock to everyone. And uh, I know the, the, uh, the college really misses him, and I think the community does as well. Uh-huh. Jeff, I'd probably, you know, surprise you with this one, but... You did surprise me. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we had a, a, a yet another soldier killed in Afghanistan recently, and um, that puts um, Howard County up to seven, I think, uh, young men who were killed um, both in Iraq and Afghanistan... Um, it's a really significant number for a community of about 80,000 people. Uh-huh. And I, I think people need to recognize that we still have young men and women over there, and and they're still losing their lives. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for that. I'll just mention very quickly um, Warren Henniger, a longtime county council member, um, Sophia Travis, who was going to run for county council, and uh, Eleanor Ostrom, a Nobel Prize winner who uh, was uh, – a uh, visitor on our show uh, who died, and then her husband, Vincent, who worked with her, died just a few weeks after her. And the, the, All those people will be sorely missed, as will many, many others. We're out of time. I want to thank you guys. It's been a great pleasure to be with you today. I always enjoy talking to uh, my editor colleagues, Max Jones from Terre Haute, Jeff Kovaleski from Kokomo. Uh, want to thank uh, all of our listeners for being with us this year. For Mary Catherine, my uh, my usual co-host, for producers Gretchen Frazee and Julie Raw, for engineer Mike Pashkash, Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.